Welcome to Aphesis Church Podcast Channel. If you're in Columbia, South Carolina area, we would love to get to know you better and for you to experience what Aphesis is all about. If you would like more information about us, please visit our website at aphesischurch.com. It is our prayer that this message truly speaks to you. God bless. I want to ask us to turn to Exodus 25 and 22. It reads, And there I will meet with thee, and I will commune with thee from above the mercy seat, and from between the two cherubims, which are upon the ark of the testimony of all things, which I will give thee in commandment unto the children of Israel. I want to focus there on that first that first promise there, I will meet with thee. And he says, I will commune with thee. I, I don't know if you're as excited to meet with God as I'm as excited to meet with God. And what I mean by that is sometimes we see that we think judgment, right? We think, you know, I'm not sure if I want to fast forward that, that meeting and meeting him because it might be judgment. Well, what if you could fast forward the meeting for relationship purposes? just to know him right just to get his presence and get in his in his area where he's at where he dwells and and this is what I'm going to be focusing on the whole month of May I'm going to be talking about how we can pray to get to his presence and I'm going to be talking about heaven to earth today uh, praying through the tabernacle and I'm going to be focusing on the first piece of furniture we walk into and that's the altar of repentance I I'm, I'm hoping that today while you're here that you will make a covenant with yourself and say I'll be faithful to every service this month because I, I every single service this month I'll be teaching on one of the pieces of furniture and the last service of the month we are going to pray through the tabernacle together and it's going to be a powerful time uh, in the Holy Ghost because we just read his promise I will meet with you I will commune with you and if we are if we are obedient to this process he will uh, I I can't say this enough. This this particular this particular prayer program that I'm teaching to you today has changed my life. I've uh, adapted it and, and taken it on. I want to say adapted, adopted it. I'm sorry. I've taken it on years and years and years ago. And if it wasn't for it, uh, I wouldn't be here today. I'm not sure where I'd be. I'm not sure who I'd be. But if it wasn't for this way of understanding how to get to God, uh, I'm, I'm very invested in this. And so I want us to pray. I want us to ask God to help us. I want to ask God to strengthen us and keep us today and and give us understanding on what we're looking at. Would you bow your heads with me right now? God, thank you. Thank you for this time. Thank you for this season. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing, God, and and even the things that we don't see that you're at work. God, I pray, Lord, that you address our hunger. You address our thirst, Lord, because I want to know you. I'm I'm hungering for you. I'm thirsty for you. I want to be filled with that righteousness today. God, I pray, Lord, as we begin this series, that we have a gravity and understanding of what it really means to know you, 
to get closer to you, to draw near you. God, I pray, Lord, address us on how we pray and how we seek you and how we, how we honor you and how we worship you and how we lift you up. God, I pray, help me. I pray, help me be a teacher. God, help me to be able to plant and, and sow this seed, this word that you've given. God, I thank you. In your name we pray. Would you say his name with you? With me in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise God. High five somebody before you're seated. <laughs> Praise God. <clears throat> In anything that we get from this series, I truly want us to understand is that the tabernacle isn't and wasn't some archaic type of relic or plan that was only for the Old Testament only people. It wasn't something that was just for them. The tabernacle was and still is the path to a greater and stronger relationship with God. I want to make my point here in Hebrews 9 and 11. It says, but Christ being come a high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood. He entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. I want us to understand here this this platform of the tabernacle. If you could go ahead and put that, that picture up there. Uh, we're going to keep that up there for a second. God ordained the tabernacle plan so much so that he submitted himself to it. Yes. He submitted himself to its plan and to its authority by robing himself in flesh and becoming that sacrifice, that perfect blood sacrifice for our souls. So much that we should purge ourselves, that we should take on that same thing and purge our conscience from dead works to serve a living God. The tabernacle is a divine key to entering into the presence of a holy God. The layout of the tabernacle, as you see there on that screen, is a direct reflection of the cross, and the cross is the way to God. Now, of course, this is just a, 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 a simple standard picture that I threw together just to give us some context. But uh, if you were there, if you had a drone, some sort of aerial photo, if Google Maps was rolling back then and you could look at Google Earth during the time that Israel was out in the wilderness, you would see this tabernacle. But you would also see the layouts of the tribes and, and where they were camping and where they were living and what what you would witness is this en enormous cross. So I want us to understand as we move forward, tabernacle doesn't take away from the cross at all. It only emphasizes it. 
I want us to understand that it's to the cross, right? We want to get to that cross. We want to get to that place of sacrifice. And so the first thing that we're going to look at is that brazen altar. That brazen altar was five cubits long, was five cubits wide, and it was five cubits high. And it was in direct line, as you see right there, that brazen altar, the bottom, that, that, that uh, square, that cube that you see there. If you look straight above it, all the way to the very top, you see that Ark of the Covenant, that, that, that golden symbol. It was in direct line of the Ark of the Covenant, meaning that the importance of sacrifice matches the importance of the presence of God. And I need us to understand as we move forward that this brazen altar, because of its size, because of its dimension, it was accessible to everyone. And that means sacrifice is accessible to everyone. We all have to sacrifice. We all have to, we, if you're going to grow in God, go ahead and get ready to sacrifice. You can't do it without sacrifice. God takes you to another, another level. It's another piece of you that has to go. If you want another dimension, you want to cry out to the deep, it's going to take more of you every single time. Even too, when you don't even know anything about God, you've got to give yourself up to know him. You've got to come to an altar and say, God, I'm wrong. I'm the sinner. I, I messed up. I have, to, I have to do some things in my life and I'm handing it over. I'm trying to die out to self. And so this is what this sacrifice, this place of sacrifice means because sacrifice is extremely important to God. It's extremely important to knowing God and how high do I want to go when God is dictated by how I sacrifice in life. And everything started and hinged on the first piece of furniture in this tabernacle. So when this, when this moment came where you brought your sin sacrifice, that altar had fire in it. And in that fire, that embers, those things, that, that flame, everything was drawn from there. So you would take that same fire and it would light the golden candlesticks in the holy place. You couldn't light the golden candlesticks without the fire in the sacrifice. That same fire would also put some embers inside the uh, 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 in the prayers that, that, that would waft right through the, the high priest would waft in the areas and, and, and there's a uh, there's a process of going to the Ark of the Covenant that those prayers the, uh, the incense that would be burning all those things that altar of incense was able to burn because of the fire from the altar of sacrifice. You take away that altar. You can't, you can't get to the golden candlesticks. You can't light those candles up. You don't, you don't sacrifice. You don't have fire in your sacrifice. You don't get to offer incense unto the Lord. So it's so vital and important that we understand that this piece of furniture cannot be skipped. You cannot hop over it. You cannot circumvent it. You can't plan another way to come to God. You have to die out to self. <laughs> you have to address this flesh. You have to address those things in your life. It was that fire from this altar that would ignite those candlesticks that would bring fire to the altar of incense that would continue to move the priest through the process. And that priest had to keep the fire alive. Leviticus 6.13 says the fire shall never be burned upon, never be burned upon the altar. It shall never go out. 
still that you get that job of a priest was to continue to stoke those fires, to continue to make sure that fire was never going to go out. I've been camping a couple times uh, with, with Brother Ryan, as many of you have as well, and we know uh, it is no fun to go camping on a damp weekend. Work hard. You go camping. You try to find some firewood, some dry firewood, and, and you find what you can, and you finally it takes forever to get that fire going. I mean, it is, it's long going. And even the fire itself is kind of weak because all your fuel, all that wood is kind of damp, and so it's a process. You, you have to keep on feeding that, that fire. And I tell you, there's that time when we all go to bed, and, and I, 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 you got to know Brother Ryan. He's, he's the type that he's up and around all the time, and there he is throwing another log on the fire in the middle of the night because when we wake up coffee doesn't just make itself <laughs> that's what I should put there a little little uh, piece over by the, the, the table of showbread uh, uh, maybe a, a coffee pot or something some kind of uh, the fire has to ignite that coffee pot right we gotta <laughs> you don't get coffee without the fire that's what happens when you go camping I've learned this that it's a process to keep it going. It's a process to keep it lit. And I, I, we have to understand, you can't just stoke some fires on a Sunday <laughs> and expect that this whole week can go by and you not be struggling because the fire's out. Keep every Monday, guess what you need to be doing? Putting it right back on the altar. Saying, God, I don't need, I don't need this carpeted altar here to find an altar. <laughs> I don't need that. I don't need that. I tell you what, I, I, more and more as I pastor, I've realized this, this 20 inches of elevated platform. I don't know if it causes more harm than help. And here's what I have to say about it. I didn't build this to be a platform. I built it to be an altar. Right. And I need us to understand how vital it is that we need to build these altars in our very home. And we need to make sure that fire never grows out. It's crucial that the fire continues to remain. And I need to continue to feed those fires of sacrifice daily in my life. I, I need to put air to it. I need to put fuel to it. I need to do what I can. You know, Smokey the Bear, how many of you remember him? What's he say? Only you can prevent forest fires. Well, that's true. And I can also light them. <laughs> I also can ignite them. I can also be the one whose responsibility is to make sure they're lit and they're on fire. And so I want us to understand in this church, I, I pray that our ministry leadership, our team has the fire in them. I pray that our Sunday school teachers, my God, light a fire in them. I pray for our music team. Come on, light a fire in our worship team. Light a fire in our leaders. Light, light a fire in our greeting team. Light, light a fire in the people that come here and serve and help and do ministry on a Sunday and a Wednesday. I want that fire to continue to burn. And that altar, that altar will do what it's supposed to do. That altar was a place of slaughter. And this is why Jesus said, take up thy cross and follow me. Can you imagine when he simply said that the first time? There's probably a little bit of confusion. This is before he hung on the cross. Before he became that symbol on the cross, what, what do you mean take up your cross and follow you? I'm not sure there was any revelation in that moment. Maybe he thought something else. But he knew what a cross represented, though. He understood that things die on crosses. 
So there's, there's this time that we have to understand that the altar, as, as sweet as it is, as, as important as it is, as fire burning in it and, and it gets us energized and ready, it, it, is, it is meant for one thing. It's to slaughter this. It's to kill this. Another way of saying great ministers, you know, T.F. Tenney, keep the main thing the main thing. Keep the altar the main thing. That death, that slaughter killed this spirit, this sin in me. What the Lord is telling us is that we need to kill, the kill and slaughter our self-will and selfishness. I want to look at what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9 and 27. He says, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. Lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. He has this moment that he wants us to know that I've got to kill myself. I've got to bring it into subjection. I must kill my flesh and keep my body under subjection. Paul also said in Galatians 2 and 20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless I live, yet not, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The priest I want us to see that picture. He's offering a living lamb and bullocks there on that Old Testament altar. But we must offer our living sacrifice, which is us. Yeah. Paul made it so clear in Romans 12, 1, familiar text. He says, I, I'm begging you. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your, your bodies a what? Living sacrifice. Could you imagine being in that church? While they're reading that letter, that's, that's what they did, by the way. The church there in Rome are so excited to meet. And then the, the pastor of that church comes and says, hey, I've got a word from the bishop. Woo! Let's sit down. Let's read it. <clears throat> what does he have to say? What does, the, what does the bishop have to say? He's, well, he says, well, he's begging us to do something. He's begging us to be a living sacrifice. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> well, I'm cool with, you know, just giving a few bucks in the offering. I'm, I'm, I'm cool with just, you know, the standard of, of what we think Christianity is today. I'm cool with that. Living sacrifice seems a little aggressive. <laughs> you sure Paul was, no, nah, that's what he says. Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. And I love how he says this. It's your reasonable service. <laughs> I love that. It's your reasonable service to be this for God. It's our reasonable service for us to do. Why, did, why is it? It's because, again, I, I go back to what I've said over and over a few weeks ago, that if you understand Christ, if you understand who he is and what he did, you understand that he came to be the ultimate example, not just to live, but also how to die. Yes. And because he showed us how to die, we also have to live that way. We also have to be that living sacrifice. We need to kill this flesh at the altar of sacrifice. This process wasn't a one-time ordeal. Offering sacrifices was a continual thing. Paul explained to those that are Christians in Galatians 5.24, and they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. And I like how he says, they that are Christ's. Yeah. 
That's, I, do we have any of those in here today? I hope so. I hope I can say I'm Christ's. If, I, if I'm Christ, then I have to crucify this flesh. We've got to put ourselves on the cross to crucify our flesh. This must be an habitual practice. This is not something I, I repeat is Sunday only or Wednesday only. This is every day, every single day. Man, I tell you what, I'm just going to be straightforward with you. I, I recently preached somewhere, and I preached my guts out, right? And there was no response, just quiet. And I went to God in prayer afterwards, and I, I asked God, what's up? What, what did I do wrong? Where did I mess up? And I began to go through my process of what I do to get ready. I, of course, I pray. Of course, I fast. I dwell. I study and read the word. I, I, I really give time to things and try to feel sensitive. I felt very affirmed. I still feel very affirmed in the word that I gave. But you know what? God kind of highlighted something in me. He's like, you know what? You as a preacher will come up to a pulpit and you will, you will fast. You will, you will pray. You will, you will read the word of God. That's what you do every single time. But there's probably nobody in that room that ever prayed or probably fasted or, or studied as close to you on preparation of healing hearing the word of God. And I think to myself, man, as he spoke that to me, I even say, God, forgive me. Forgive me for not coming into the house of the Lord in such a way to prepare myself for the word of the Lord. Could you imagine if we reciprocated the same things that ministry does in preparation could you imagine what our church could look like? Could you imagine how powerful this place would feel if we gave two days to fasting a week and we gave time every single day in prayer and we, we read the scripture and we came with a mindset and understanding, God, speak to me. Kill this flesh, God. I don't want anything, uh, I don't want any of this flesh to rise up in, in the preached word of God. I don't want anything to distract me. I don't want any of those things to, to, to just be against the grain of my of my foot. I want to be sensitive to the Holy Ghost. But it takes it takes sacrifice. It takes killing this flesh. This process is not just one time. It's habitual. Paul would fleetly say in 1 Corinthians 15 31, I die daily. Romans 8 36, as it's written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. And so I need to do this all day long. The priests in Exodus 2 offered a lamb in the morning and a lamb in the evening to offer up a continual sacrifice to God. We need to put more of our emphasis on dying out to sin. We do great job. I'm telling you, we're really good at singing. We're really good at clapping. <laughs> we have no problem with fellowshipping. We know how to eat the food. <laughs> Praise God we know how to eat the food. <laughs> but it would be better if we knew how to die to self. Wow, could we be a specialist at dying out to self? I want us to understand we have an awesome opportunity to kill the sin in our life. There was, uh, if you understood and looked at the... the uh, this altar, it was, of course, it was ornate. Everything in this, in this tabernacle was ornate. 
it was put together and fashioned so so perfectly. I mean, God just divinely spoke things into, into the craftsmanship of the tabernacle. But one thing that was on this altar was these hooks, and it was there to strap down that, that animal. And it wasn't that they put the animal on, the, on their living. Okay, they, they would cut the throat and let it bleed, and they would throw that, that, that sacrifice on there. But what happens is those involuntary muscles would buck and, and kick, and, 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 it would, it, and those muscles would feel the, the great heat from the altar. And, those, and the, that, that bullock, those things, those big animals would, would jump that just involuntary. I think there's some involuntary sins that maybe we have, some, some old sinful muscle memory, if I could put it that way, that, that's still there, that you know what, we need to strap ourselves in. God, I pray, God, kill this sin until it's charred, until it's just dust, until I'm just ash. I want to make sure that I'm completely dead to self. Sacrifices needed to be burnt to ash. Needed, we need to kill off all those things for good. There's some things I'm telling you right now. There are some things that linger still. That's why that I, I know I'm telling you my God is too big and too great yeah. for us to keep saying that we have to still deal with alcoholism. That we have to still deal with addictions and, and prescription addictions. That we still have, we still have to deal with, with, with pornography. That we still have to deal with lust issues. No, I, no I, I believe if we stay to that altar, meaning we can't just continue these, these patty cake lunchroom prayers in the altar. You know, we need, we need to bear in. Let me tell you what, you need to ha have a prayer life where you are, you're dead below your legs. I'm talking about where you just, your legs go numb because you won't get up until that's dead. I want to be that way. I want to get to that place. And it's, it's not something you do automatically, but it's something we can work towards. It's something that we can push towards. I challenge us today, as, as an altar call will be made today, that, that we say to ourselves, I can press myself a little bit deeper. I can kill a little bit more of myself in this altar. There's something still there, God, that I don't want to go until it's there no more. I, I, I love those, those old testimonies, and I love those pictures that some churches post of cigarette packs there on the altar. Yeah. I love that. I love those moments that people have said, you know what, I'm dead to self. I'm, I'm, I'm putting, I'm laying it there. Mm -hmm. Because let me tell you what, dead things don't talk and dead things don't walk. And they don't follow you out that door anymore. And they don't follow you into your car. And they don't follow you into your room, at your house, because they're dead at the altar. And we need to understand there's some times I've got to lay some things down. It wouldn't, man, it wouldn't, it wouldn't hurt to even exchange your phone for a dumb phone. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you, I'll be honest, I think the flip phones are cooler. I just, it was just something neater going, <laughs> power move. <laughs> right? Everyone had that snap. <laughs> Couldn't take good pictures at all. Couldn't really text at all. You. you can actually answer the phone and talk to people. It's really strange. Yeah. <laughs> That's what phones do. Yeah. That's some of us could really use those types of old phones. Yeah. Get away from the idols that we have on there. 
and away from that, that thing that eats up all our time and our focus and our energy. Let me tell you, it also, it also spits a false narrative of that's, this is what real life's like. Uh, I'm telling you right now, it's not. I, I, wanna die, I, wanna, I want the life that God has for me. I'm telling you, there's, there's power to sacrifice. Jeroboam was an evil king. And his desire was to keep control of the people of Israel. And he understood that in order to keep control, he couldn't allow them to go back to Jerusalem and sacrifice on the brazen altar of repentance. 1 Kings 12 and 27 says, If this people go up to do sacrifice in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, then shall the heart of this people turn against their Lord, even unto Rehoboam, king of Judah, and they shall kill me. And go again to Rehoboam, king of Judah. Let me tell you what. This world knows this is your source of power. <laughs> this world knows. Satan knows. That's why he's doing everything he can to trip you up to get to stop you from getting to this place. <laughs> I'll tell you one of the most comfortable things you've ever felt in a church. Okay? It's, it's the back of a chair. Yep. <laughs> this is what you do. Right here altar call happens oh god I gotta stay right here oh, I see you eyes closed hands clenched to the back of this chair my, my legs want to go but no why is that something in us it's just something in us that, that fights it. It's that flesh that knows that up there is death. I can continue to still do me. I can still continue to be what I want to be. But you know what up there is death. I don't know what's up there. I don't know what's beyond my death. <laughs> Man, I can promise you this. God doesn't take life and doesn't give you something better. And we need to understand there's power, divine power in the altar. Got to get to that place. We got to go to that first piece of furniture. God honors sacrifice more than anything else. And there's a communion with God through the altar of sacrifice. I'll tell you this, and, and I'll give you an incredible, awesome story that when we first took this church, okay, this wasn't here, okay, it was just flat, wide open. Um, we actually had that music kind of set up. There was uh, up here, there was a table up here, and we had a projector right here that projected. And so <clears throat> we didn't have these nice chairs. Um, and so we, uh, we had a drum set that n no drummer. It's a drum set with no drummer. We had a, a, key a keyboard, and um, that's it. And so we would get up to uh, worship sing. We would have this box that had several songs on it. And we had a selection. We knew that thing by, by heart, right? We knew what number to press. Br Brother Floyd was all about it. He knew exactly what numbers ministered to his soul. I don't even think he calls it by the, the, the name of the song. That's where we're always like, what was that song name? I know it as number 52. <laughs> <laughs> How many of you know like the old hymnal books like that, like that, right? You can go right there to it. And so that's where we started. We just pressed these buttons and did our best singing with these, these songs. And so 
I, I remember preaching my guts out. Let's, let's get to the altar right now. And they would come. Everyone would walk up to this open platform. And, and no one would bow down. No one would get down to the floor. All they did was that their calves would become rashed from rubbing the back of this chair. I used to think, man, the calluses on those calves. <laughs> because this was as far as they can get. That's all they seen. So I said, first things first, we really can't afford it, but I'm going to build it anyhow. I got with Brother Midkiff, and I said, how much? How much would it cost to build a simple, simple uh, uh, platform with an altar? I said, I'd like it about, I, measure, I measured this chair where it was comfortable kneeling down and praying. And I said, that's how high I want this to be. So I knelt, it's about 20 inches or so, 18 to 20 inches. And I said, that's going to be our height. And so <laughs> he quoted me, he quoted me a certain amount for just a square, like a rectangle. And of course, I had to be extra. I said, well, how much, how much more if we wing it out? And how much more for the angle? How, what if we put a step here? And, and he just kept rolling his eyes. And he said, he, oh, we could get away with this much. And I said, let's do it. And I went to, I said, you tell me what wood I need to buy. He wrote it all down and I spent an entire day in my, uh, I had a, at the time, I didn't have a truck, I, I had a, a, a caravan, Dodge Caravan, took all the chairs out of it, opened that up and put every piece of wood in there, and I made multiple trips because caravan ain't meant to take all this wood from, from Home Depot or Lowe's to here. And so I had all sorts of boards, and, and then I brought it all in by myself, and I put it up, stacked it over there, and I, I planned on meeting Brother Midkiff on a, on a Saturday morning, early morning, and I come here uh, at 8 a.m. when we were supposed to start. He was already three hours in. He already kind of outlined it. He was all, noise was all happening. He was, a, he, he's the man. And so I remember it getting built, and the first time that for, we've put that, finally put that last piece of, of plywood that's underneath here. I, I remember, I'll never forget it. The next Sunday, we had our first person get the Holy Ghost. I'm grateful that the altar works. Jacqueline Vircher is her name. She's a great, great lady. She actually is really cool. I remember her finding us. Uh, she was in the military. <clears throat> she came in and, 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 uh, and she was a sergeant in the military. And she had a family. She's a twin sister that goes to the Pentecostals of Alexandria. And her twin sister's like, you need to get to an apostolic church, check one out. And so um, they looked us up, they found us here, and that's how she, she came into our doors. And so I remember her walking up, and I introduced myself and got to know each other and had Bible studies with her, and, and um, it, it, was really, it was really neat. I wish I put her picture up there, but she, uh, she was definitely set in her ways. And I remember... Um, uh, uh, not being argue, uh, and I wasn't arguing the, the certain issues with her on holiness or any of those things. I just let God be God. And so um, I remember her telling me how she found us. She said, yeah, uh, uh, POA sent me here. I went, wow, well. <laughs> greatness knows greatness, I guess. I, 
<laughs> I remember, I remember that going to my head for a moment, and realizing it's just a simple search. But anyhow, <sighs> but as she got the Holy Ghost that day, we worked with her, and then she had to be stationed again, sent off. And luckily, she was stationed close to POA there, and and she's a, a member now. But she is a, and she's been growing and growing and growing. And every time I see her picture, I see this altar. Every time I, I see this is because I see the power of what an altar can do. And I remember after that, after, after she was the first person, I think, to receive the Holy Ghost since I pastored here, I remember seeing her consistently, and, and not just her, but other people coming to a place. When I say, let's get to the altar, they don't just stay there where their calves are rubbing the chairs anymore. They come to a place where they die out. And there's power there. There's something that happens there at that first piece of furniture. I want us to know as, as we move forward, the, the, I, 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 we look at that picture again up there, if you would. And I know it does, it's not to perfect scale, but you can fit the entire Ark of the Covenant inside the brazen altar. And this means that the greater the sacrifice, the greater the presence of God will be once I get to the Holy of Holies. I need to understand that. I need to, I need to get that in my spirit. If I want incredible, if I want incredible communication with him then I better have deep death at the altar if I give, if I give small things at that altar I'm going to get small words in his presence if I don't give anything then I won't hear anything I need us to understand if I offer small sacrifice I'll experience small presence in the holy of holies we must emphasize and spend the time and effort in killing our flesh at the altar. And if I want God to intervene in my life, right? Do we want God to intervene? I was talking to somebody recently and I said, you know what? We, I've got two hands and I can do a lot. I think it was our men's group. I can, we could do a lot with our hands. But there's certain things I can't do with these hands. There's certain things I can't touch in my family's life. It's the spirit that's got to intervene. It's those things that I can't, I can't, I can't take depression out of my child. God can. I can't breathe and, and, and put in a, 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 a peace and a joy, but God can. All those things that I can't do, the spirit can do and more. And I have to get to that place where I lean on that spirit. I lean on him. I want us to understand, if I want God to intervene in my family, Job, he offered sacrifice on behalf of his family. That's why he was so mighty, and, and that's why you read about him and know his story, because that's the type of person he was. The devil showed up in the Garden of Eden after Adam and Eve were communicating with God, and the devil showed up and tempted Jesus in the wilderness after his 40 days of fasting came to the end. I say all this is that the devil hates it when you communicate with God. <laughs> and man, is he going to be quick to be there to, to take your mind off his words and try to get you to forget. John 10, 10, right? The thief cometh. I want us to hear that. The thief cometh. That, that, word, that, that phrase there means he is coming. The thief might be there. I don't know. The thief may get scared of your spiritual ADT, ADT sign on the front yard. Right? Oh, they're, they're protected. I, I better walk away. How many of you all know those are all fake signs? Right? 
Some of us live that way spiritually. They spend more time putting up some fake spiritual signs and there's no spirit inside. But I'm telling you right now, what's for sure is the thief's coming. If he's coming, then I need to do what I need to do. The devil doesn't want you to commit to this type of prayer. That's why, because he knows that there's power in it. Let's all stand. This is just the first piece of, of, of furniture. Okay, and I, as we move forward, we'll, we'll talk about the next one, how it's built and how we pray at it. But I want us to understand, too, it was always interesting to be a, a, a member of, of Israel in the camp. You would come out of your tent and start to head to the tabernacle. And you witnessed that it was different than your tent. Your tent was, was probably some sort of skin that was weathered and beaten and broke down from packing it up and putting it away and taking it. Yeah, you probably had family that swept the edges of your tent to make sure it was clean and do the best you can. But you knew the tabernacle. The, there was curtains all the way around it. It was pure white. It was just, it was righteousness was, was so evident out in the wilderness. You knew where to find God. The, the priesthood took meticulous care of every piece of furniture. Every ring that, 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 that was put on, 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 a, on a curtain rod to hang certain things was meticulously cared for. There was nothing that was, was put out of order and there was, everything was given reverence and respect. Yeah. So think about it that way. When I'm starting to come to God, I also need to have the reverence and the respect of who I'm about to meet. Yes. And if I'm going to meet him, then I better meet him the right way. If I'm going to meet him, I better die to self. I better die to this. I better kill this flesh at this altar. Yes. That's what we have to do. The very first things we've got to die. And I'm telling you, there's life afterwards. I promise you that. Hear me today. There's great life afterwards. I'm excited about it. Would you bow your heads with me as we close in prayer? Dear God, thank you. Thank you for your time that you've given us, God. Thank you, Lord, for your strength. I thank you, God, for what you're doing in our lives right now. I thank you, God, for who you are. And, and God, that you, God, the King of all kings, the Lord of all lords, the creator of heaven and earth, would want to commune with me, would actually want to meet with me. I'm taken back by that. I'm taken back by that that power. Oh, Lord, I pray, help us reciprocate that same desire. Help us love you, God, in such a way that we can die to self in order to know you more. I pray, strengthen this body. Bless the remainder of our service. We thank you together. And in your name we pray. In Jesus' name. Would you say it name with me? Amen. Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise God. Praise God. If you were encouraged by this message and you would like to connect with Ephesus Church or you would like to get in contact with the leadership of this church, please visit EphesusChurch.com. Thank you for being a part 